Welcome everybody to Life on Suitability. Uh, good morning. Today we're gonna talk about uh, life on suitability and how, how to stay focused and keep yourself out of trouble and stay away from um, cell phones, um, drinking, smoking, doing anything that would um, hinder you from getting a date or getting a write up. And so uh, today we have Elizabeth, uh, Michelle and Daryl, um, welcome everybody this morning. Welcome, welcome. Good morning, everybody. Right. So, so we have um, had some issues the last couple of weeks, primarily my fault because I had some trips planned and we forgot to record last week. So this week we're going to dive in, like Sean said, one of the things that Michelle and I have encountered or encountered often is you get a grant of parole and screw it up. So we want to talk about that. So I'm going to turn it over perhaps to Michelle to kind of give an intro and then Daryl and Sean can give the inside scoop on how um, from the inside that can happen. Okay, good morning. So one of the things I've seen lately are I've had clients that are found suitable and then they lose their date because of a cell phone or something like that. So it's really important that you know that you're being watched at all times and you really can't fake suitability. They're gonna find out for the most part. And it's really, it's devastating. It's devastating for you. It's devastating for your family. I know for me, it's devastating as an attorney when I work with somebody that happens because there's not a whole lot we can do for you after that. I know you guys have seen it too when you were inside. Absolutely. Michelle, give me a couple mm -hmm. of examples of when you get the notices of what kinds of conduct legitimately alleged that your clients do to get their parole grants either rescinded or sent for some kind of a review because something comes up. For me, it's been mostly cell phones and dirty tests because when you're going through the review period, they're watching you. And there are also people that get very jealous when you're found suitable. So if one of your fellow inmates knows that you're doing something wrong and they're jealous that you're going home and they wanna get home, sometimes you know they drop a dime and the next thing you know, you're being searched and there you go. And you've now cost yourself three to five years. Not to mention if your family paid an attorney how much money they lost. That's not, uh, we're not scapegoating the person that turns you in, because ultimately you're the one doing the behavior to begin with. Oh, not at all, but it's just something to think about because you shouldn't be breaking the rules, period. That's why I said in the beginning, you can't fake suitability. They're gonna find out. Exactly, Absolutely. exactly. And Absolutely. the other thing that I always say, I liken it to like a speeding ticket or a DUI. It wasn't just that one day, you know what I mean? You weren't just doing it on the one day. And so you come to the meetings with your attorneys and to the commissioners basically lying. And so that's a big signal to you if you're doing those things that you're still engaged in what we call um, always uh, is referred to as criminal thinking. So that's something to really dig deep on because what I say is if you're gonna continue doing that, you're meeting with your attorney four months before the hearing, you're meeting with these commissioners and you're still engaged in that behavior, you're really not suitable 
for the outside world because there's all kinds of, you think there's temptations in prison, there's temptations on the outside equally. And so I've had, um, I've had rescissions as well for the same conduct, but then also, you know, running little business deals, uh, they call it business dealings or unlawful business dealings where the clients get involved in some, their restitution's paid off. They send their restitution to someone else. Someone else sends it to you. So they avoid the 55%. That's criminal thinking. And to even try to explain that to someone is difficult. And also it shows an utter lack of remorse for your victims and certainly doesn't um, have any amends. But let me turn it over to Daryl and get some of Daryl's thoughts on what Michelle and I have uh, have introduced and then to Sean. Good morning. And I'm sure Sean's going <laughs> to have a lot more to say than I. Um, first of all, the it's called circumventing institutional policies. And that's like where you were just making reference to a person who has restitution. And instead of his family sending the money to him and they take 55%, we try to send it to somebody else who doesn't have restitution so we could get all of our all of our money. Um, and when they find out, they will write you up. And it is, when you think about it, a true lack of remorse because your restitution is supposed to go to the victim's family or to the state to pay for the court fees. So it's like you really don't care about it. So that's that's big. And if they find out you're running the store, you know, or 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 selling products. They most definitely will try to uh, write you up and prevent you from going home because you're you're circumventing their institutional policies. But the bigger thing, um, as was discussed last week, uh, as well as this week, individuals who get found suitable and get a cell phone, call their families, call their friends, do whatever it is. Um, you're really showing that you still have that mindset where you think you can get away with things. And I like to tell family members, like I told my family, um, when I got out of that years before, if I continue this behavior, when I come home, it's gonna skyrocket because I'm already have the mindset that I can get away with things. And that's not, that's, like Michelle said, you can't fake suitability. Either you are a better person, a changed person, you've amended your ways, your conduct, or you just, it's, it's a shield or you're hiding. And you know, they say, well, in the dark comes out to light. So. Uh, I want to encourage family members, first and foremost, don't spend all that money on that cell phone. Don't accept the phone call. Tell them, do the right thing because you expect them to do the right thing once they're released. You know, it's very, very important. And if you're spending all that money on an attorney, you're spending so many different, so much, you're spending so many resources, you're spending so many resources just to say, I don't care what really happens. And to me, if my family wanted me to call on the cell phone, I would think they weren't serious about my life. I would really take it, take offense to it, that you really want me to continue doing criminality? You really care about me? You want me to, I mean, this is me questioning me. And I can't speak for other people, but I'm, a, I'm terribly offended even now when people approach me with propositions and things, like really after 33 years, you want me to entertain that thought? You know, you're X'd out. I mean, you know, I, I keep it moving. Um, because we all, Sean talked about this at length and I want to chime on now. We want to continue to be suitable outside, you know, outside of prison, because this is a big world. There's no one watching me. I can do whatever I want to do, but I'm watching me first and foremost. 
and I don't want to be proven a liar. Sean? And, and that's amazing that you that last part that you said, because that's what the board, when you go to the board, they want to know, are you suitable when you're out in the world when nobody's watching you, right? Because we know we're being watched in prison. So, yeah, of course we're going to do good, right? We're going to do our thing. And But when you're inside and people don't understand that when you're inside and you don't do good, when you're being watched all the time, not just by staff, but by inmates also, you can't be trusted out on the streets if you can't Absolutely. do good in there and you're being watched all the time. Because out here, you're not being watched. Like me, my parole officer comes to see me a month and a, every month and a half. When he sees me, gives me a UA, asks me how I'm doing, then he's gone. I don't see him again. And so it's important, like you said, to make sure that you hold yourself accountable and that you stay away from things out here. And trust me, you know what we say is, we just on a bigger yard. And so Absolutely. we need people to understand that we're on a bigger yard. We went from a small yard to a real big, huge yard with more stuff that's that's on this yard. More drugs, more negative people, but we have a lot more positive people, right? And so we definitely got to be careful. Um, it's amazing that you was talking about the cell phone thing because I just had two people who called me from prison off their cell phone. And so um, I kind of got, I didn't kind of, I did get a little aggressive um, because I felt like, I felt like I'm helping you to get out of prison. And then you call me on the cell phone. And so I had to tell them, I said, both of them. So if they catch you with the cell phone or catch somebody else with the cell phone, right? And then they trace my number back. What happens to me? You're violated. That's right. So tell me that you care about me and that and then here it is. I'm taking my time out because I'm a very busy man, right? Taking my time out to help you come home, but then you call me on the cell phone like it's cool. Don't impress me. That doesn't impress me. Call me collect. That's why it's money on my phone. For and they gave call. out the tablets. Everyone got tablets effective July 1st at most of the prisons where they can call all day and video chat and everything. Thank you. All day. All, All day. day. They utilize it. Exactly. Exactly. So and I don't right. understand. And see, that just shows the, the, the mindset. You have an opportunity to call. You have an opportunity to video chat, to text. Why do you still need that illegal device? What's exactly. wrong with your thinking process? Exactly. And so I told one of the brothers, I said, I said, you might not want to hear this, but you're not ready to come on. Because here it is, you are uh, 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 a few months away from going to the board and you go rent a phone just so you can call different people. I said, I understand that thinking because I had a phone, right? But when I realized that that phone can take away, can wipe out everything, I was like, why do I need the phone? I can call collect. It's not like my people don't have money on their phone, right? But when I get out, I can use the phone anytime I want to, right? I ain't got to worry about sneaking it, hiding it, putting it up in the case of soups or whatever, wherever you put it at, right? I can get out and use my phone as much as I want to. And so I kind of went big on them and um, they didn't understand. And so I just told them, don't call me back until you process what I told you. Not only did you put yourself in danger, right? From not going to the board, getting a denial, 
you also put me to where I can be violated. I'm not trying to sit back in there with you. I can't help you from inside. I can help you from out here, though, a lot more than what I can from inside. But hey, I just Sean, did 28 years. Let me, let me add to that. When your family writes those letters saying how you've changed your life, how you've turned your life over to this, how you've done everything, when you get caught doing wrong, that makes your family liars also. And I mean, I'm using exactly. the words liar. Not that it takes it takes credibility away from them. It makes them liars because they know what you're doing. And then the and then they write it to the board. The board is like, I don't want this. These people have been helping especially, funds. Especially if your family gave you the money for the phone and they knew what it was for. I've seen a lot of guys where they ask them, where did you get the money? And they say, my family, but I manipulated and lied. But, you know, I tell families when I'm working with my clients, if you get a call from the cell phone, don't answer it. And if you do answer it because you don't have the number and it's him, hang up. Don't respond to text messages. I don't respond to cell phones at all. I'll hang up on someone if they call me on a cell phone because I never want CDCR to see my phone number in somebody's cell phone because I'm not losing Absolutely. my clearance for anybody. I can lose my clearance as an attorney. Just like Absolutely. you can get returned to custody, you know, it can destroy lives. And I don't think a lot of people understand that ramification of the cell phone. The other thing is, I have a lot of guys tell me that they're using the phone because there's a family emergency or somebody's ill. If you go talk to your counselor or the warden or the chaplain or whomever, they'll get you a call for an emergency situation. Exactly. You don't have to use the cell phone. You just need to ask for help. And that's part of showing change is when you ask for help. Most right. Because they might send you through the loops. But that's okay because life out here gonna send you through different loops, right? We all jump through every day. Pardon? We, 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 we all jump through hoops every single day to make things work in our life on the outside. So exactly. So Absolutely. don't endanger because they think that you can't trace it. But I know a guy before I got out had a cell phone. Well, he used his friend's cell phone, calling his mom and everything, and then. Uh, he gave it back to the owner. Well, the owner ended up getting busted. Squad took it, found his numbers on there that he used, everybody who used the phone, and then yep. booked him for it. Right? And, and they so can pull the phone records from the phone company. They can subpoena the records from the phone from the, for the phone number all the way back, not even just looking at the phone. Absolutely. Exactly. And that's you know, why it's important if you, guys, the, if you get the phone call, like Michelle's saying is to immediately, I immediately hang up. I say, you're committing a crime and I'm not participating in this crime. Goodbye. That's yes. it. I'm not, because I don't want the phone record 15 minutes long. Exactly. And then, you know. Right. And, and also, Go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, I was going to say, my retainer agreement has a clause in it that says if you violate CDCR policies and rules, you breach our agreement. There you go. Because 90% of the time, it's your family and friends that are paying your bill. And I think that takes away when you don't pay it yourself, you don't really realize how tough it is. I watch families struggle to pay to help their loved ones. And so when the grant gets taken because of behavior, it's devastating for everybody. There's nothing worse for me than when I have to talk to a family and listen to them sob and I have to explain to them what the procedure is going to be. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, it is. It is. And I just want family members to know, anytime your loved one call you and ask you for $800 to $1,000, let me tell you something. They're doing some illegal activity. 
There's nothing in prison that costs us $800 to $1,000 or $1,500. Or $500. You can't spend that much in canteen. <laughs> you, you, you can't spend that much even if you order your own package, right? So if they ask you, that's a red flag right there. They ask you for that amount of money, either they owe a drug debt, they're trying to buy some, or trying to buy some drugs, a phone, or something. Because it's definitely not for canteen. And that's another thing I want to mention. Um, people being found suitable for parole and then getting dirty tests. What oh. is wrong with you? You can't tell me you have to celebrate by going to get high. You can't tell me <laughs> that you need to use some drugs to calm your nerves because you were so excited about being found suitable. I mean, I've heard these two things. That's what, that's what I I'm have saying. Too. I uh, have too. Yes. And I'm not going for that. Listen, if you are going to be a drug addict, just stay in prison. You're no good to anybody, not even yourself. If you are close, and I tell you, and I'm, you know, I, I did a big thing about that suboxone because I'm really in opposition to it. But any kind of drugs, any kind of drugs will bring about your demise because if you use drugs now, nine times out of ten, that's the reason why you can't use prison. it out here. If you come out and you're addicted, you're going back to prison. You're going to create great devastation, not only to yourself, your family, but to society. We want to come and help society, not harm society. So it's don't do drugs. I mean, just say no. It's real simple. Just say no. And, 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 and most importantly, that, that too. But most importantly, I want family members and the people who's listening that if you get found suitable and you get out and you come, you, you come out as a drug addict, or not as a drug addict, and you engage back in into that activity, you make it harder for the next man that's going to the board to get found suitable. Absolutely. Because now what they start saying is, see, they're not they're not doing right. They're they're yeah. messing up. They coming in yeah. here lying to us, and we're giving them dates, and then they come right back out, and then they screw up. You can't do that. You are messing. Me and Daryl has to stay on our p's and q's at all times. Because we want to make it easier for the next person that's coming out behind us. That's important for us. Because the same way the people that came that came home before us, that came home and made it possible for us, we got them paved the way the same way. And so we already know they don't want to let lifers out. We know this, right? And so this window has been open for them to let lifers out. And I got loved ones in, inside right now that's lifers that's trying to come home, right? And that's doing the work, like literally change their lives. And so I don't want to screw up and mess that up for the next lifer to be able to come home because I'm out here doing some stupid stuff. A girl out here doing some stupid stuff. So be and very mindful that it's just not about you. And I'm hearing that it's becoming a little harder. The border is a lot more stiffer. So the leniency that they were having maybe a year ago, two years ago, they don't have it as much. And it's and it's real very it's really really imperative that, like you just said, that we make mention to this because I want people to get out of prison. That's going to come out and help the economy, help society, help reform things the same way you do. And if and and if you're not going to be serious about your life, just stop playing. Get out the way. Just stay in there. Just, I mean, I mean, really, just just stop. And, and I know this is a bad thing to say. Oh, look at them. They get out and now they're telling people. No, but the reality is you got to come out here and work hard because we work twice as hard to stay in the mindset that we're in as we did when we're inside. 
And exactly. as Michelle may mention, you get found suitable. We got found suitable. There were people who hated on us before we got found suitable. There were exactly. people who got hated on, hated on us because we changed our lives and didn't want to have anything to do with the gangs and all that other stuff anymore. But when you get found suitable, they're watching you and they will tell. The people you think are solid, the people you think ain't got tell, they will tell to set you up so you can stay inside. We did a one of our first episodes, The Crabs in the Bucket. This, this is the reality. They this don't walk to the door. So if you think you're going to be slick, they going to tell. And in society, they going to tell. Trust me. If you want to celebrate because you got a date, do like I did. We made a meal. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> we, that's what we did. We made a meal. <laughs> we ate. You know what I'm saying? We cooked something to eat. That was our <laughs> celebration. I didn't need no alcohol, no that's drugs. What or well, that's what we did. We, we made, made a meal. Big, yeah, a big feast, you know? <laughs> yes, indeed. We spent some money on that feast. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same thing outside. And I think once people get out and they get around pro-social people and they understand how blessed it is, because it's a blessing. That's the only thing I'm looking at is being a blessing, being in society again, having an opportunity to wake up, go to work, come home and make my own choices without anybody dictating my movements. And it's, I'm blessed. And, I, and that's the only thing I can say. You know, and it's not always easy. You know, <laughs> it's not always easy. No, but, it's, it's but it's a wonderful experience that we've worked hard. We've trained hard. We've dedicated so much to to becoming better people. And it's just about, about doing it now. Yes, indeed. And I'd rather have the, the troubles out here than the troubles in prison. I, I always say I'd rather have freedom problems than prison problems any day, Absolutely. any day. I, I love it because one thing about it, I'm still free. I can go where I want to go. I can spend it with my family, with my kids, my grandkids. And I can, I, I know that every day I wake up, I can make this world a better place. And I'll that's tell you what, I'll tell you what. I was found, you know, I was I tested positive for COVID in 2021. You remember we we did. Um, yep. And testing positive, well, they say I'm positive right now. So I mean that's why I'm in the quarantine. I'm at this other location. Um, but I still rather be here than I was there because there I thought I was dying. And I don't even know if my symptoms were real then because I don't feel anything right now, but I'm quarantined, but I'm free quarantine. You understand know what yeah. I'm saying? I mean, I still have the ability. You know, to move around and do things in contrast to being yeah. shuffled around and locked up in the cell. So the worst situation is still better now than the best situation inside. And that's what and the mindset has to change. It has to change. And I want people who get found suitable or people who are working for suitability, please take your suitability seriously. Because there's people looking up to you. There's people looking up to us right now who ask us. How did you know people want to know how we made it through? How did you make it through all those years, Sean? They want to know how I made it through all those years, you know. And if they don't see the continuation of our of our progress, then they won't believe the things that we say. We have to continue to yeah. show positivity. We have to be truthful. We have to be honest. But it started inside. It started yeah. inside. It didn't start when we got out. Trust me. And a lot of people think, oh, when I get out, then I won't have to worry about no more crimes. Oh, I won't. I won't use drugs. I won't drink. If you're doing it now, you're gonna do it when you get out, especially exactly. ten times more. Because we have people on our yard that parole, get high, they're back in prison. And we've seen uh, them some come back. Another one parole, getting back. high. He's dead now because he OD'd. Yes. Right? 
Yes. So the drugs that was in prison is way different from the drugs out here on the streets. And there's no right? limitation. The alcohol that's in prison is way different from the alcohol that's out here on the streets. <laughs> so you just got to be mindful. That stuff is a lot stronger, a lot more potent, and a lot more addictive because they put all type of stuff in there, especially that fentanyl. And I'm seeing a lot of people drop off that fentanyl, and it's in everything. It's even in weed, right? You got yeah, people what? smoking weed. It's in weed. You know, and so it's very important that people pay attention. Very important. Elizabeth? Elizabeth, Michelle? Michelle, uh, what kind of consequences now when your clients get, our clients get caught up in stuff and it hurts their suitability, their granted parole, what kind of consequences are they facing in terms of years? What are the board doing about these, how long does it take to gain freedom again after that? So it's really different for everybody, but right now, you know, there's a lot of new commissioners. I think there's a lot of pressure politically about things. The grant rates are going down because there are different types of cases becoming coming before the board now. And so they're looking, regardless if you've been found suitable before or not, they're looking for three to five years clean, and a lot of commissioners flat out say five. So, for example, if you're someone with a history of cell phone use and then you're found suitable and then you lose your grant for a cell phone, you're looking at a three to five year denial at your next hearing. And depending on the commissioner, you're looking at a five because you basically slipped off the board when you're admonished repeatedly about certain behavior and then they give you the chance and you do it again. So, you know, you could literally be looking at five. You know, and if you might be able to do it in less, but that's doing a lot of work and petitioning to advance. And then you have to find new programs to help you because if you've done all the cell phone classes and you've done all the criminal thinking classes and it didn't work because you did it again, now you have to do everything all over again and make all new plans because everything you submitted, they're not going to buy it again. So everything Absolutely. has to, everything has to be redone. Yeah, that's your credibility goes out the window. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. I wouldn't believe you, and I was in the criminal life. I'm, what? You told me that you wrote me this good letter? No. And then you do it again to me? I'm like, what? Yeah, okay, whatever. And I tell you this. The amount of times I went to the parole board, not with the mindset that I have today or the mindset I just received, I was that one saying, but I'm different. But I'm different. But I'm different. I've changed. But I'm doing the exact same thing. They were like, same we're not thing. trying to hear this. We're not trying to hear that, Shana. You know how it was for me. You know how you know I would go and get denied, and I was like, "Why did they deny me?" They was like, "Because we haven't seen anything different in you, anything different." You know, uh, and so again, um, and I, and I had to start all over again, like you said, Michelle, and I had yeah. to go through classes all over again, plus more, just to to really grasp it, and then I had to start writing down what I was receiving from every class, just so I could see if I was making some form of progress. To where I almost like wrote a book almost and was reading through it just to find out, wow, okay, I missed all of this before because I was going to group just to go to group. I wasn't growing the group to be a better person initially. And that's another right. thing that we need to talk about. People who go yeah. to group for the board instead of going to group for themselves. Right. Those are the people no, I would say I call those seat warmers, and it's really unfair because there are certain guys that want to be in recovery, and if you're taking a seat just for board, you're preventing somebody else from recovering. Absolutely. Exactly. 
Right. And I just say that in my lifers group. If you and ain't in here to really them. change, get out. Because there's somebody in there that's really trying to change that wants to get home to their family and make a difference out in society. On this a is not a group. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a group for you just to go and, and get that piece of paper. Well, another thing that I encounter, and we, we can talk about this because it would open the door to some other conversations on another yeah. day, is tell you can't memorize your way out of prison. You have to internalize your way out. So if you're just going to groups and you're going to memorize a buzzword, the commissioners are going to see through it. And that's these guys that are still using, still telling their attorneys, you know, you are you are you behind me are you with me are you with me and really you know <laughs> you're still using phones and drugs and trying to memorize and trying to you know impress me with the buzzwords but it's really the guys that can talk about it from a conversational point of view again that we've talked about before but we should get into it again another time but um this has been really great i know everybody's got their 11 o'clock cutoffs so is there anything else someone had to say about it something some burning desire here about the conversation about suitability versus making it making your way out of there i just want to say when you're telling people respect yourself respect your victims respect your family the people that fought for you think about that that's all because it's really devastating to your family when you break a rule and the date is pulled when they, the whole family thinks you're coming home, and then all of a sudden, you're not. Correct. Correct. And I'm going to say it quick and short. First and foremost, if you change your life, first you got to search within yourself, right? It's ugly. It's hard. You know, a lot of us don't want to look into them dark places into our lives, right? Because we don't want to see that. Because we just put it in the closet, set it up somewhere, and shut the door and put the bolts on there because we don't want to look at that ugly thing. But most importantly, remember, if you say you got true empathy, right? Then you need to do what you need to do on a positive note in every area of your life. Remember your victims. For me and Duro, a life was taken. We have to honor that person. Every day. That's every single day, every, every single day. minute, every single hour. We have to honor that person because that person is not here no more with their loved ones. And so we got to make sure that we do what we're supposed to be doing because we don't want to re-victimize. Though the family is not seeing us or in our lives, right? But when you do something that goes contrary to what you're supposed to be doing, right? You are re-victimizing your victims, your victim's family, your family, and yourself. And especially the attorneys that we have, like Elizabeth and Michelle, that's really yeah. there for us, right? Home. Really trying to see us do something good that really gives us the paperwork to help us out, that really want to see us change. And so I just want to put that out there. Remember that empathy. I and I want to close with this. You cannot be found suitable by memorizing and repeating my relapse prevention plan, my, listen <laughs> this, my out plan or, or, or regurgitating the letter that I wrote to the victim or to the board or to whoever, you have to have your own. You have to be sincere and genuine. 
Because people call, hey, can you send me your relapse prevention plan? Can you send me? No, I can't send you that. I can give you an outline and you can fill it in. I'll look at it if you want me to, but you cannot get our stuff and think you're going to go tell the board what we told. They already heard my story. They already know it. They, you know, And that's really important that they understand that. Like, like Elizabeth said, don't memorize nothing, internalize it. Be able to communicate from the heart. Yes. That's it. That's it. That's it for me. Easier to remember your own stuff because you don't have to remember anything. Right. <laughs> right. So exactly. It's you. It's you. Exactly. And once the board talks to you for like 15, 20 minutes, they gonna know. If if we talk to you 15, 20 minutes, I'm gonna know that you haven't internalized what you're talking to me about. You just giving me some on the surface words. You can't go in depth. With your with your story and your life, with your causative factors, your 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 external, your internal, you can't go in depth on it because you memorize somebody else's stuff, and that means that you're so a threat. You can't explain it. Yeah, and you're still a threat because you won't know how to yeah. deal with a situation when it occurs because you haven't dealt with it. You haven't you have not set, established any coping skills, and this is big. So and we you got a lot like more to talk about. Yes, yes. So thank you, Michelle. You're manipulating still. <laughs> yeah. still. I'm definitely not gonna let you out. See you later. See you in five years. Absolutely. <laughs> right, right. Thank you so much for everybody for tuning in. I will do my best to get everything posted. I'm not sure when, but I will do my best thank when you Alan very much. when Alan returns. So I really appreciate <laughs> Michelle coming back on the show. As always, hope to see Thank her you. next week. She's got something big in store for us on her healthy relationship plan guidance. And I know Daryl and Sean always have great insights into all of that from the inside perspective and outside perspective, actually. So yeah. you guys have a wonderful 4th of July and I'll speak to you all soon. You too, it was good seeing you guys. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. You guys have a blessed day.